She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Two Christian artists in Arizona could face jail time if they refuse to make custom artwork for same-sex weddings. The business owners are challenging a local anti-discrimination ordinance that they say goes against their religious values. The Arizona Supreme Court just announced it will hear their case in January. Tried to create chaos within the election, but certainly not that they actually impacted it. The only reason that the president is the president is because he was a better candidate and beat Hillary Clinton. We also know that the president never colluded with Russia. So that's the whole reason that we have this, and we know those things to be false. 100%. Because when you ask voters, when Trump talks about a wall, do you think he means a physical border wall? Or do you think he means enhanced border security that will include a wall in part, but will also include stepped-up surveillance? Democrats think he's talking a wall wall. Republicans, a majority of them think it's kind of this mix. Now, Stacey Washington. No, we don't. (laughs) Republicans don't think it's a mix. We think it is a physical wall. And we think that we also want extra money for a border patrol to protect themselves. And we want drones. Yeah. We want money given to them so they can do their job. I mean, if that's what you mean by a mix. But no, I don't know what the president was tweeting. If he's trolling his naysayers when he said, we're talking about big, tall slats that you can see through. I don't know what he meant by that. And you know what? Honestly, again, I I guess I'm telling on myself, I have just decreased the amount of time that I spend on Twitter. I don't think it's as useful as as it could be. Now, I still streamed a Periscope there. And I still send out articles there and interact somewhat. But the obsessive amount of time I used to spend on Twitter, I'm devoting that time to other pursuits. And I think I'm the better for it. I think it's actually lifted my spirits up, not getting into these horrible back and forths with people who are strangers with 315 followers who are only there to insult me and drag me down. And so if you're on Twitter and you're enjoying it, God bless you. And I'm I'm glad. I'm happy for you. I wish it could still be the case for me. I'm still there. But it's not the same amount of interaction anymore. And I don't think I'm, I'm losing out by doing it this way. I think over time, our decisions on how we interact with certain things change. And that's perfectly fine. Um, I do enjoy the YouTube interactions during the show. And I'm hoping that we're going to have a really good... Um, I hope we're going to have a really good... Uh, like transition from there to um, the streaming to Stacy on the right. Uh, because I think if we have a place where people can chat in real time, it should be fun for listeners who come to us in that way. Um, so uh, this hour on the show, we're actually, cause I had a little bit of a mix up last hour where I thought Paris Denard was coming on during hour one. He's actually coming on this hour. And then right behind him, we're going to have Maria Espinoza, who's the national director of the Remembrance Project. Remember, this is an organization that memorializes Americans lost to illegal immigration crime, you know, crime by illegal immigrants. She's going to come on and talk about the wall funding, and she's an expert. She's been on the show before, so I'm excited about speaking with her. Um, but right now, I just, I guess we have to talk about the prison reform. And we also have, in addition to that, this uh, another Facebook breach, and this is becoming so regular, so routine that I'm afraid it's going to be one of those like some some of the stories that we've seen 
We see them happen so often that people no, are no longer outraged. And um, that's a shame because some of these stories really deserve our outrage. And Facebook is one of them because there's a level of addiction that's involved with Facebook. With Facebook, it is, It's addictive. It was created to be addictive. And once they've got you, like they, so they've got me because I have so many of my pictures and things there that, you know, it, it's documenting the entire time I've been on Facebook. There's been a lot of milestones in our life with the kids that are there. It doesn't mean those pictures aren't elsewhere because I had to have taken those pictures from somewhere in order to post them to Facebook. But they are kind of chronologically posted there. Now, my mom was really interesting. Um, last time my mom was in town, she showed us, actually, no, I was in Washington, DC. I was there to go to the white house one of the times earlier this year and I visited my parents and she had one of those books that they were advertising for a time. It's a book that comes from your Facebook memories cache. And what you do is you select and it prints the book out in chronological order. And I don't think there's a limit to how big it can be because hers was pretty big. And as I flipped through, it had milestones from because my mom travels a lot, a lot of trips that she took with my dad and with her twin sister and with her extended family trips that she'd taken where, you know, me and my kids were present. All those pictures were in there. And it's kind of like if you think of Facebook into a book, it's exactly that. Maybe getting those done would help people with actually letting go. But it doesn't take the place of the fact that you don't have anywhere else to go to. Uh, to kind of connect with people like, let's say, people you knew in high school, your best friend from sixth grade, you know, college alums that you that, you know, that 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 kind of stuff, it makes it so that you can't connect with them if you're not on Facebook. But some people are rightly outraged by these stories. And oh, I didn't realize we had people who'd held over on on the call lines. Perfect. Well, what we'll do is before we talk about the prison reform package, or the Facebook thing, we'll carry on with our topic about the border wall. Sarah, thank you for calling into the show today. Uh, what's your comment? Hi, Stacey. Thank you for taking, uh, excuse me, for taking my call. I'm calling in regards to the border issue. I do support funding uh, primarily because I consider this to be an inhumane humane act. Uh, I personally am holding Congress responsible for their procrastination in bringing this to a vote. We now are seeing that, and, and it's been for years. I live in Texas, and it's been for years that people with miles uh, that own ranches coming up uh, the south uh, uh, portion of um, Texas have walked across dead bodies numerous times. Mm-hmm. But now we have uh, the media, uh, uh, excuse me, bringing this to a national um, attention. And I consider that any um, act to not progressively pursue bringing a stop to immigrants coming across our border is perpetuating an inhumane act of, of the, excuse me, the loss of death to people as well as violations, which there are many multiple violations that have occurred across the Texas, uh, lower southern part of Texas. Mm. Um, that women and children are the primary victims of these atrocities that have taken place. And I, just to me, it is a humanitarian step forward, and I would have to say at this point, I believe I was not, uh, President Trump was not my choice of president, 
but I am now convinced that he is probably more humanitarian than our Congress is. I agree with you, Sarah, and thank you for calling and, and especially the, the um, sharing about the, the ranchers and the dead bodies and all of that. We've talked about that a little bit on the show. I actually was surprised to learn about that, that, I mean, it, you just don't, you don't connect it up. You don't think of it. We're so blessed here and so civilized and we just don't have these kinds of things as what we would consider to be normal operations in our country. But we do have tens of thousands of acres of land in Arizona that is protected land. It's federal land that is a part of our national park system that is now completely obliterated. Uh, Each illegal immigrant leaves behind about eight pounds of trash between the tire tracks that have destroyed the natural landscape and the illegal immigrants going through it, as you said, leaving trash and dying there. They've completely ruined this, uh, you know, pristine landscape that was to be preserved as a part of our national treasure of lands that are federally owned and protected by the the U.S. government. And that's not it. I mean, we could just we could do whole shows about the negative impacts of illegal immigration. And I'm saying that with the full knowledge that you could very well be living next door to an illegal immigrant family that is kind hearted and sweet and gives you, you know, cookies or, you know, uh, invites you over for dinner or what these could be fantastic people. It's not about that. How many people have we met that we, we find out later they're they've got some persistent thing that they do that's illegal and they you know, they, they're, they're struggling with it or they're, you know, or they're prosecuted for it. And you, you're just like, wow, I can't believe that. It was the nicest family, the nicest person. Oh, wow. I didn't, you, how, you never would have known that. Everyone who breaks the law doesn't have to be an evil Hitler-esque type person. That's not the way this thing works. But the fact is, if the laws are being broken, the laws should be enforced. And that is what we're not seeing from Congress right now. Um, Thank you for the call. And uh, so I want to I want to just get this out of the way. It's like a spoonful of medicine that I I don't want to take. But I found this audio of Van Jones. And you guys know I was kind of on the fence at Project 21. We came out with some very strong concerns about the prison reform package. And it feels to me like just from where I'm sitting and from talking to people back channel that the prison reform was one of those, you know, Yay if you do, you know, oh no if you don't. There was no happy medium. And since President Obama didn't tackle it for the, precisely those reasons, he didn't want to tackle prison reform because he would have been painted as being soft on crime. And he couldn't afford that, not, to, not if he was going to get reelected. And the other reason he couldn't tackle it is because he just doesn't care. He doesn't care about that. Now, President Trump has a son-in-law, Jared Kushner, whose father went to prison. And that radically changed the way that Jared Kushner, who grew up, you know, in, in an elite family um, in Manhattan, going to the best schools, always having the best things, best vacations, best home. He had his family torn apart by his father's wrongdoing and, and incarceration, and it made him a different person. And so that's why he was so interested in doing prison reform. And but it does just because Jared Kushner has that heartrending story from his childhood and his father's incarceration and others that are working on this have similar good aims and goals in trying to get this done, it doesn't mean it was done right. It doesn't mean it passes muster with communities that will be negatively impacted. And that's what we were primarily concerned with and remain concerned with through Project 21. Uh, so I, I, my hope is that it won't be just riddled with unintended consequences and we won't see an uptick in crime. 
uh, but but it remains to be seen what the reactions will be to it. So I just want you to hear this audio from Van Jones because he says something that directly contradicts what our guest from earlier this week. Remember when we had the guest on? She she said I'm I'm a, a liberal, but I worked with people in the White House to get this done, and it changed my perspective. It was Jessica Jackson Sloan, a human rights attorney, co-founder of Cut Fifty. She said every it was not a blanket across the board cut in time served for people, but that's not what Van Jones says. It's number three. Political parties came together to do something to try to uh, begin to reduce the number of people behind bars for too long. And what this bill does is unbelievable. It means that 100 percent of people who are behind bars in the federal system can stay out of trouble and come home a little bit sooner. Half of them can work hard and earn their way home sooner. 100 percent of the women behind bars can no longer be shackled when they're giving birth and mistreated. 100 percent of juveniles can no longer be put in solitary confinement. And that horrible crack cocaine disparity where a hundred to one if you had crack, crack and, and powder cocaine are the same if you put a little baking soda in it for the hood it's called crack your yacht club with the powder is called cocaine of the hundred to one that you were sentenced worse with crack Obama was able to pull that down to 18 to one but they wouldn't let him make it retroactive tonight the Senate voted to make it retroactive so there's a lot that he said there. Uh, the not shackling women who are giving birth, you know, I think that's that's a good thing. There, there are a few things in there that I was like, okay, that doesn't sound so bad. It just remains to be seen what the, the outcome will be. And I don't know. I, I don't even pretend to be able to see what's around the next corner. I don't know. We have to be prayerfully uh, just, we have to be running to the throne of grace and praying that God would minimize the unintended consequences and that rehabilitation coupled with the gospel would change lives because our goal as Christians is not to get people out of prison early. It's to get them to Christ. It's not to, uh, you know, all, all of these things are fantastic. It's, it's good to, to accomplish any goal. But in the end, who's coming to the Lord? And those of us who already know him, how are we growing and, and becoming stronger in our faith walk? That has to be the end question, the beginning and the end, actually. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Paris Denard, political commentator and GOP strategist. Stay there. Hello everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, President of American Family Association and American Family Radio. 2019 is upon us and we're going to be going back to Washington, D.C. and to Williamsburg for our spiritual heritage tours. And if you've been wanting to go, maybe this is the year for you. These tours fill up several months in advance. And one of the reasons they do is because we have an actual historian, a professional historian that comes on our tour with us. His name is Stephen McDowell. He's the president of the Providence Foundation, and he knows more about early American history, especially the Christian influence on early American history. He knows more than anybody I know. So if you want to go with us, you can find out more information at spiritualheritagetours.com. That's in June and September 
pick the month you want to go. Find out more information at spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, it is estimated that Charles Wesley wrote over 6,500 hymns. Perhaps his best-known hymn is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Over the years, it has been edited slightly, but the meaning and theology remains as he wrote it more than two centuries ago. It begins with a proclamation of the birth of Jesus. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. The hymn reminds us why Christ came to earth. Jesus came into the world to bring peace, but many who sing this song fail to realize that it was to bring peace between us and God. Wesley's hymn reminds us that his birth was so that God and sinners could be reconciled. We are the sinners in this hymn, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have broken God's commandments and need to be reconciled with God. This was done when Christ died for our sins. This hymn by Charles Wesley goes on to describe who Jesus Christ is. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. This is the wonder of the incarnation. Jesus became the offspring of the virgin's womb. God became man and was veiled in flesh, even though he was the incarnate deity. This Christmas week, let us all once again reflect upon the incarnation, how wonderful yet mysterious that God would become man and dwell among us, and that he would be willing to die on a cross for our sins. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. So, yeah, <laughs> we are... We are going to be talking now about this Facebook story. Um, I, you know, I'm just so annoyed with Facebook. I'm so annoyed that they can't get it together. Um, just, it's just ridiculous. And it's intentional. So first, an update. Can I just update y'all real quick? Uh, I have a good friend on Facebook, Michelle, who keeps me updated on a whole bunch of stuff. And it's so cool. And she has been watching the page for the We the People Will Fund the Wall page. Remember the GoFundMe account we talked about yesterday on the show? Well, guess what? Uh, yesterday, it was at a million. It was less than, like, well under 24 hours old. Now, it's at, so this this is her, she says, this is quicker than Congress. 8 a.m., 3 million. 11 a.m., 4 million. 1 p.m., 5 million. 3 p.m., 6.2 million. So the wall funding page stands at 6.2 million. Now, 6.2 million is indeed a pittance in comparison to 5 billion but for the American people to raise that much money and, you know, we're talking about one day, one day, come on, we're going to get this thing done. I love it. I love the way it's, it's, it's the people doing it. Um, so let's, I actually need to, while we're doing this, um, so we're having trouble with our guests, but what I'm going to do is take this number. My, my associate producer has just sent me a little number here. And I'm going to shoot that over to my producer, Jason, 
is here in effect mode, taking care of business this week while Devin's on vacation. So, you know, we have the best people. We're American Family Radio. We have the best people. So we're going to get this thing taken care of. And um, we're going to make sure that we can get our guests. But right now, um, so the Facebook story. So you're wondering what else can they breach? Like what else can they breach? Well, remember when they offered users a privacy wall? They said you can have a privacy wall if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to opt in to having your information shared, you can do it. But if you don't want to opt in, then you don't have to do it. So in other words, your privacy is under your own control. And they said, what we'll do is we'll wall off your privacy so that you can feel safe again. And, you, you know, if you feel safe, then you'll want to stay on Facebook and you want to interact. Well, for years, Facebook has given some of the world's largest technology companies more intrusive access to users' personal data than they previously disclosed. They effectively exempted those businesses, business partners from the usual privacy rules. And this is according to internal records and interviews. The internal records show that the social network had arrangements with Microsoft, Amazon, and others. And doesn't it make sense? How many times have you had a message where you're messaging back and forth with someone and they suggest to you, or it, it doesn't even matter if they suggest you're messaging back and forth with someone on Facebook and you say something to the effect of, well, I probably could use a, you know, kerfluffler, whatever that is. And then all of a sudden, Amazon's advertising kerflufflers to you from four sellers and you haven't searched it. So this is beyond search. Or you've been near your phone back when you had the Facebook app because I used to have it. I don't anymore because they don't know how to control their developers. So I don't have the Facebook app on my phone. But it used to be that I would have my phone nearby and I would be talking with a family member about something that, the, mom, I need to buy so-and-so. And I'd say, oh, well, we probably need to head to so-and-so. That item would start to be advertised to me. And I'm like, how are they doing that? Like, that's like magic because I didn't search it. I didn't have a chance to search it yet. I just talked about it near my phone. Well, I got tired of that. So I deleted the apps for Twitter, for Facebook. Um, that makes it so that I can have some peace of mind. And I, I'm searching for like the most banal of things like tennis shoes, socks, you know, the kind of stuff teenagers say, I need, and then you go out and that's what you get. But it's still not right. So the special arrangements are detailed in hundreds of pages of Facebook documents obtained by the New York Times. The records were generated in 2017 by the company's internal system for tracking partnerships, and they provide the most complete picture yet of the social network's data sharing practices. Now, um, Jason, it looks like Paris Denard is calling in on the call-in line that we give out to people, the 866-963 number. He says it just keeps ringing. So he's, I think that's the way he's trying to call in. Um, so on, on the social network allowing Microsoft Bing search engine to see the names of virtually all Facebook users' friends without consent, the network gave Netflix and Spotify the ability to read Facebook users' private messages. The social network permitted Amazon to obtain users' names and contact information through their friends. Facebook allowed Yahoo view, to view streams of friends' posts as recently as this summer, despite public statements saying that they'd stopped that type of sharing years earlier. Now, Facebook has been reeling from a series of privacy scandals, and it's really embarrassing for them. Uh, and I, I think it's ridiculous that everyone keeps tying this to Cambridge Analytica. They did the same thing for the Obama for America campaign 
in, in 20, 2012 and 2008. So it, let's please stop acting as if Facebook has just recently become this doer of wrong deeds or that these scandals are all recent. This is all old, old stuff that they've been doing since they started and they just keep on doing it and they're not scandals, they're repeated bad behavior. So the documents as well as interviews with about 50 former employees of Facebook and their corporate partners reveal that Facebook allowed certain companies access to data despite protections that have been promised publicly. All the deals described in the documents benefited more than 150 companies, most of them tech businesses, but also including online retailers and entertainment sites and automakers and media organizations. The applications of these businesses sought the data of hundreds of millions of people a month. The deals, the oldest of which date to 2010, were all active in 2017. Some were even still active in 2018. So Steve Satterfield is Facebook's director of privacy and public policy, and he said none of the partnerships violated users' privacy or the FTC agreement. Contracts required the companies to abide by Facebook's policies, he added. Still, the FB executives have acknowledged missteps during the past year. Now, this is another thing that I hate, these stories where they say, Facebook made a misstep. (laughs) Did they? Is that what we're calling it? A misstep? A misstep is where, you know, through very little or no fault of your own, you're working hard and you end up making a mistake. And business-wise, you have to go back and backpedal. That's a misstep. Repeatedly releasing user data is um, not a misstep. All right, let's go to our guest. We have Paris Denard, who's been a frequent guest of the program is a political commentator and GOP strategist. Paris, thank you for joining the show today. Thanks for having me. Listen, we are kind of reeling from news this week, which ranges from the president pulling out of Syria, which I'm not so upset about, to the more serious ramifications of him kind of falling down on the promise to get the wall funded and built during his first term. How do you see things going uh, as, as we're closing out this week? It's Thursday. How do you see things going for the president? Look, I think this is a very good week for the president, despite what the media tries to uh, put out there about what he's doing. I think you have to start with the fact that today uh, the president just signed the Farm Bill. Uh, The Farm Bill is something that was a bipartisan effort, but really led by the Republicans to really get things done for our farmers. But in addition to uh, the Farm Bill supporting that, there's pieces in there that are actually helpful and really instrumental for historically black colleges and universities, mainly the 1890 uh, schools. Uh, So there's tremendous funding and support for those schools, much needed that they've been long trying to have. And so that's a good thing. So the Farm Bill is a good thing for the the country, especially with the uh, economic factors that it does with with respect to uh, welfare and SNAP programs and things like that. So you have that. Then you have the passing of the uh, bipartisan-supported criminal justice uh, bill, criminal justice reform bill, you know, the First Step Act. This is significant because this was, despite what people try to say, a Republican-led effort by a Republican Congress and a Republican president at the pushing of President Trump uh, to get this done. You also saw the president uh, do things when it came to you know signing of the Executive Order for Opportunity Zone, uh, which is tremendously uh, going to transform the lives of many 
uh, communities, over 8,700, I believe, communities across this country designated by the governors to be opportunity zones. For instance, the whole state of Puerto Rico, that whole island is an opportunity zone which can have tremendous positive impacts there. Then you come down to what the president is doing right now. It's the question of border security, building this wall or fencing system or whatever you want to call it, this, this deterrent to protect the homeland on our southern border. The president has been right to push the, the Congress to make a decision. He has rightly stated that he's not going to sign a bill to fund this government, um, be it CR or whatever form that they try to use it, if it does not have adequate funding to build the wall. He said $5 billion, which is a small, tiny, minuscule percent, percentage of our uh, total budget, uh, which is in the trillions. Uh, we just saw that the government this, this uh, week said that they're giving billions to uh, Central America and to, to Mexico to uh, aid in their uh, migrant issues and to help their defense uh, when it comes to security and, and people coming to the border. Then why can't we do the same for our country? And so I think the president is right. It's a campaign promise, but what he realized when he came to D.C., into the swamp is that he can't do everything by executive order. He's not a king. He's a president. We're representative democracies. But Congress has to do their job. It's tough. It's difficult. A lot of them have gone home, but we have airplanes. Come back. Do the work. Get it done. Fund the wall. Build the wall. I, I agree. Uh, you know, th- I was just saying as much a couple segments ago, Paris, We that's what planes are for. And, and many of these... Um, Elected officials have donors who have private planes who could do a quick turnaround so they could come back for a vote. So the issue should really be, um, do we have people there who ran on the wall in 2016 but aren't willing to actually make it happen? Because if so, we need to know their names because they need to be sent home packing the next time they're up for reelection. So what about this idea that he would use the military to fund the wall? I, I'm all about it, but I keep hearing people say that if that were the case, why didn't he do it already? Well, I... I, I the president doesn't like to do. The president is one, as you can see by the way he has uh, led the country. He wants people to do the job that they're elected to do. And and so, if the Congress is supposed to do something, like let's just say DACA, mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants yeah. them to fix it and figure it out. And he wants to go through the the proper challenge, the proper channels. So what we what you see the president do is what he's always done his life. He's a deal maker. He's someone who tries to find solutions um, as being a pragmatic solutionist. And so if what he said was, fine, Congress, you don't want to do your job because I don't control the purse strings. You do. So if you don't want to do your job, let me find other alternatives to this. Because remember, when he signed the omnibus bill, they told him that they would fund the wall by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And so when they went back on their promise of doing that, they went back on their promise when it came to the first time he could have got this done when he proposed something for DACA to fix that as well. He said, well, let's find some other ways to get this done for the American people. So what I think you saw the president do is propose a different method to get the wall built, which was funding through uh, funds already appropriated uh, through the other agencies, but Mm -hmm. namely uh, the Defense Department. 
So is it true that if funds are allocated for the Defense Department, I mean, defending the border sounds like defense to me, but is it true that you have to have Congress kind of reappropriate those funds once they've been appropriated if you want to use them for something? I I thought it was just, hey, it's the defense budget and they allocate it however they want. Isn't that the case? Well, it it, it all depends upon how the the lawyers uh, interpret how the laws are written. These laws are written with so much fat in them, number one, and and they're also written with so many loopholes in them to allow them to take advantage and do different things uh, so you won't have things so specifically uh, described to the detail and to the T in in these bills. There's a bit of discretion. And so I believe the way the White House is interpreting a lot of the discretion that's in these budgets and things that are passed are that these laws that are passed are that, yeah, if the money's already appropriated for the Department of Defense to do X, Y, and Z, part of those things, there could be a line item to fund a wall to protect the country and use that wall, and use that wall as to, to say that it is a part of a defense system. Mm-hmm. That defense system could be a plane, it could be a, a missile, it could be a wall. And so there's just how you interpret what has already been put into the law. But the way they're written, there's a lot of leeway and a lot of discretion that's involved. And it's just all about the interpretation of it and how, you know, and, and if that can pass the muster in the course if it's challenged. Right. So, you know, Paris, I, I, I love the answer because I, it kind of goes along with what I know from my time on active duty and uh, my, my mom still, well, she's retired now, but she worked for the federal government for 30 some odd years. And I know there's, there's wiggle room in how money can be spent But that just brings me back to something I was suggesting a few months ago when the caravans were first announced. And that is, why don't we have a base on our southern border? I know we have peaceful relations with Mexico, but it is an act of war to have 10,000 people marching on our southern border. Why not just build a base there? Well, I mean, I think there there are bases in the region um, that that are are there. But I think that's a very valid point. Um, But I think what we have to, to, to... ask ourselves is, politically speaking, what does that signal to Mexico uh, in terms of our relations with them? Being that I'm from Arizona, I know how important the, the working relationships are. And if you can even look at how North Korea interprets uh, the, 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 mm. the, the DMZ and, and how when we do military exercises in certain parts of the country in different regions, how other uh, nations take those exercises and those defense hmm. drills that we do. And so putting a base on the southern border could be more, it, it could make sense from a defense standpoint, but it could be very harmful politically speaking. So that's probably uh, why well, there's been a resistance to it for so many years. I, I understand. Well, Paris, thank you for your time today. It's great to chat with you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Paris Denard, political commentator and GOP strategist. Thanks for your time today. All right. Bye-bye. We'll have more for you. Maria Espinoza is up next. Stay there. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Too often I hear people say that they will make a difference later, once they've accomplished more, once they have more free time, once the kids are grown and gone. Don't let your age, your experience, or the call of success get in the way of your mission to touch the world for good. You're in a unique place that no one else occupies. Your family, your friends, and your workplace are all spheres of influence. Mentor leaders don't wait. 
They look for opportunities to get involved in the lives of people. If you pursue mentor leadership, God will ultimately use you for His good. Every platform you have is important in God's eyes. Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. There are many ways you can listen to the shows of Urban Family Talk. One of those ways is through our very own app. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, just go to the App Store and search for Urban Family Talk. You'll have immediate access to 24-hour programming as well as the podcast for each show. You'll be able to tune in no matter where you are. Speaking of tuning in, we have our own channel on another radio app called Tune In. Cool, right? Urban Family Talk is everywhere. Just download the app and take us wherever you go. Coming next week on The Dwelling Place. Pastor Al Pittman continues to walk us through the Bible line by line and verse by verse to let God show us just how timeless His truth is. That's next week on The Dwelling Place. Stacy Washington. And so to this day, I don't even, I don't eat green beans. If they bring me a plate of food at a restaurant and they've substituted green beans for some other vegetable because the other vegetable is out of season, I will make them bring me a saucer and remove the green beans from my plate and take them off of the table because I cannot abide green beans. And so Chuck Schumer and the Democrats have to sit down to the table and it's loaded up high with green beans and they have to stay there until they've eaten them all. That's the table they set. They boiled the green beans, they picked them, they snapped them, they put them into the steamer, they've cooked them, they seasoned them with salt and pepper, and now they're on the table with a little side of butter, and that's all they're getting, and they're going to have to eat these until they win. Stacy on the Right, weekday afternoons at 2 Central on Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are now working on getting our next guest. We have Maria Espinosa who's up next. Uh oh. Oh no. Looks like we will not be speaking to her because she's sick. Well, it's that season, isn't it? Oh, blessings, and hopefully she's going to feel better, um, but we will not be speaking with her today. So let's speak with you. Guess what? It's the last segment of the show, and if you want to call in about any topic, but the wall, the funding of the wall, the president's uh, changing. He's had, he's had a few things he's been changing um, his mind about we we can definitely we can get with that we, he's the president of the United States we just want to see what we can do to have those campaign uh, oh so she says there's an angel dad who can take her place on the on the call lines if, if you can get him sure why not let's let's chat with him if he's from the remembrance project that'd be fine um, but right now I want to kind of finish covering that whole uh, Facebook deal that we were just discussing. And it's interesting because their their apologies are starting to get a little bland. Do you feel that? Like, do you feel like when you when you 
Like they're getting a little, it's, it's starting to sound, they're kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, we did do that. And you're like, you're, you're not supposed to be doing that. And they're like, mm, no, you're, no, you're right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have done that. Sorry. <laughs> it's no longer, oh, we are so sorry. Remember when uh, Mark Zuckerberg used to take out the full page ad in the New York Times and he would, you know, uh, as the head of a multi-billion user community, we want you to feel safe. And if we've given any impression that we don't care about your safety, we want to apologize for that. You know, the whole if I, then I apology, which is a non-apology. I just feel that when, you know, it's just this big, long diatribe and people would see it and go back to happily posting pictures of their cats and dogs. I'm right there. I don't, we don't have cats because I hate cats. I'm allergic to cats. But we have one dog. He's no longer as overweight as he was. He used to be so fluffy and soft. It was like squeezing. It's, it's an indescribable type of a thing when your dog is overweight and you pick them up and you kind of squeeze them. And they make that little teensy whining sound because we have a small dog. And then you can feel all their little jelly rolls. Just It's so squishy and, and wonderful, the, the little fat dogs. Well, he's not fat like that anymore because he was having issues with his patella, which is the little kind of your dogs have elbows that face to the front and it's the on their legs and small dogs have patella issues. And so Bentley was so overweight that he was having patella issues. So we had to put him on a diet and he had to lose these, you know, lose pounds and he's done it and he's been really good about it. It's been such torture for him, but now he's not fat and squishy anymore, but I still like posting pictures of him on Instagram and so I'll, you know, occasionally like I'm now that he's thin again, he can get back into his Santa suit. He has a little jacket that looks like a Santa suit. We're going to put that on him and put that up on Instagram. And so anyway, I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. But Facebook, they, they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And we just keep saying, oh, OK, do better next time. And they keep going. Hey, yeah, right. Anyway. Oh, OK, let's speak to Dan. He's an angel dad. Dan, thank you so much for joining the show. Hi, Stacey. I'm glad to be here today. Hi. Thanks for uh, doing this on short notice. Apparently, Maria Espinoza is ill, and we are praying for her quick and speedy recovery, especially since the holiday is just a few days away. We were going to have her on to talk about the wall funding hitting well a wall. That's that's my little title for it. Um, and the idea that the president might actually capitulate to this intransigence by the Democrats. They're blocking him, and the Republicans never really wanted a wall anyway because they're really, in, you know, kind of in the pocket of the Chamber of Commerce. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, uh, you would have asked me yesterday. I was pretty discouraged that it seems like the headlines are changing, Stacey. Uh, what, I, what I'm reading today is now he's, he is saying he's going to veto. And... Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I certainly hope that, I, you know, that he doesn't back down on this. Uh, my son's murderer uh, was deported four times and uh, previous before he uh, ended my son's life uh, randomly at a red light with, a, you know, just a f- out fun shooting. And uh, I think that it's, uh, I think that this is uh President Trump's hot button issue, and I think that his his uh, support is depending on this. I agree. Uh, so I'm so sorry for your loss, and, and thank you for sharing uh, what your family has been through. Over at the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's uh, place, Emily Zanotti is writing about the president sending the GOP scrambling, and and that reflects what you just shared, which is 
yesterday's headlines were pretty depressing, but today it seems like the president has found, you know, a renewed vigor for defending on this issue. And he says he's going to veto the budget deal if Congress won't fund the wall. What do you see happening after that? Well, Stacey, I, I have, to be honest, I have zero confidence in our Congress and our legislative branch uh, that I, I, I don't believe they were ever going to fund the wall personally. I, I think it's just as you said, uh, he's got one party that's interested in importing a new voter block, and we have another party that's interesting, interested in making sure that they don't, uh, that they protect the donor, the well, you know, mega donor classes uh, keep the legal labor pool. And uh, I, I think that Americans are just left out. And they uh, are not concerned about the safety of Americans. They just gloss over, you know, families like mine, uh, American families that have been devastated by this. And the whole narrative that the media wants to feed us and spoon feed Americans is, oh, the four separated families at the border. They don't want to talk about what real family separation is. And let me tell you, when you spend every holiday at your son's grave, you understand what real separation is. It's the worst because he didn't have to die. So through no fault of his own. Yeah, through no fault of his own. He's just simply plucked from your life for no good reason by someone who never should have been here. And which the most interesting thing about it is, you know, these people who come in here illegally, they can go back to their home country and shoot all, all they want. Instead of killing Americans, they should be in their own their own home country. I've had people say to my face, and I, I certainly don't have the same gravitas that you have due to your loss. But I have said in defense of uh, just our national sovereignty, we're importing criminals. We're allowing them to stroll across the border and come in and kill us. And the, the response from Democrats is always the same. Well, we have criminals, too. And I always re- say in response, well, then why would we want more? And they usually don't have exactly. anything to say. Why, why do we need more? If we have criminals, which we do, why do we need more? Why do we need foreign-born criminals? Why do we need criminals who also need welfare? What, why do we need to bring in people who have multiple ways that they're in need of taking from us as well as destroying American lives, beautiful people who didn't have to die except that we can't seem to get a wall up at the border? That's true, and and you know one of the one of the uh, the most obnoxious argument that I hear, Stacey, coming from the left is, well, they're just looking to make a better life for themselves. Well, my question is, exactly what laws do I get to break if if that that excuses away, you know, as long as I can just make a better life for myself, do I get to go shoplifting? Do I get to go steal cars? I mean, do I get to evade my taxes? I mean, if that is the new standards that all you have to do is just make a better life for yourself and you can get away with breaking laws. I guess what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And uh, and another question is, well, there, I'd like to ask the left, what exactly, what border do I cross to keep my family together now? And it's very, very hard for people in uh, angel families and people in my situation to listen to this stuff day in and day out. It's just hard to digest. It's got to be. It's got to be hard. And it's also got to be disheartening to see people we're paying them 178000 a year, I think. And they ran on border security in 2016. And they're still there. And they're, as some of them, this is their last act. They're going home. 
Other ones will be back in January, but in fewer numbers. Why can't they honor what they ran on? That That is infuriating to me. I, I think the game they play, if they tell us what we want to hear, but when they get in, you know, they get in and they, they're elected or reelected, really what they're going to do is they're going to pander to their the mega donors and the, as you said, the Chamber of Commerce, the, the plutocrats and oligarchs that run the country. And uh, again, Americans are left out of the mix. And I, I, I don't, I'm not a legal scholar. I can't tell you what, how possible it is for President Trump to use the military budget as it's been suggested, you know, you have the Army Corps of Engineers, but I think if that is possible to do, then that's probably going to be the only way he can do it. I right. It's, see it that. seems like, yes, the, the way that he could get it done where Congress could hem and haw about it, they could even pass a law saying he couldn't do it, but it wouldn't get through the Senate. And so he'd actually be able to get it done. Seems like it, it is feasible, at least. I would, I would say that it's worth a shot because I, I, I believe, I don't know if we're past midnight on this, but we're at the 11th hour and our country is being torn, torn away from us. Uh, our sovereignty and the way of life that we've enjoyed and uh, along with this is going to go our rights, our bill of rights, our, our uh, slowly and uh, it is, it, I, I'm not only just grieving from my son, Stacey. I'm grieving from the loss of my country. I'm watching my country being ripped away. Well, I've been advising our listening audience to, first of all, we we have to pray over this issue, pray for strength, and then we also have to start, we have to get our notepads out, we have to take notes, and whoever ran on securing the border that isn't voting for securing it now should be removed from Congress. That's Amen. that's what we have to do. And that that's yeah. only one thing we have to do, but it's the it's the one thing that we know we can do. The other items where we have the Ninth Circuit invalidating the president's orders and all of that, we're we're working on that. The president is putting conservative judges into the, the appellate courts and, and on the Supreme Court. But in the meantime, yeah. it's these know nothing Republicans who won't vote for what the agenda is that it has to be job one for us to get them out of there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, and here's here's what it's, it's so scary to me, Stacey, is, you know, that campaigns and, and uh, our successful campaign is expensive. And it seems to me you either have to have a lot of your own money to spend on it, or you're going to have to go through the cabal uh, to get that money. You're going to have to get, you know, a lobby, or you're going to have to get these groups, these packs. And I'm afraid that uh, that the uh, the big money spenders are people that are just in love with cheap illegal labor, and they are not concerned. It, it they're they're not putting the country first; they're putting their company first, and they have to decide, you know, which is actually the goose that laid the golden egg: the country or their company. And I think that the country was the foundation that they that they you know built their company on, and that I think it's. In my mind, it's just treason. It uh, is. And I just, it, it, you're right. You know, uh, this is this is such a oh, colossal problem that it is. I may, I don't know the answers completely. I, I, I can 
suggest things, but I would say that, you know, you, you need to spend time in your prayer closet because this mm-hmm. might be bigger than us. And it's, it's not bigger than God. Absolutely. But it's just one of those things where you're in the belly of the well and you, you, you don't know exactly what the answer is. And, and we need to be on our knees and praying because, uh, this is, this is a, uh, a very scary time. Yeah, it for is. Our country. It is. Um, well, you know what, Dan? Thank you so much for joining this show on short notice. Uh, we we grieve with you uh, the loss of your son. Thank you for the work that you're doing to prevent other families from going through what you've experienced. And I wish you a well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Uh, it's uh, been a pleasure. And I, I want to say something to you. I've been listening. I've been an avid listener since you started on American Family Radio, and I think you're oh. doing an excellent job. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's this is this is my this is the big job coming up, you know, to to do this radio program uh, five days a week. It's been it's been a learning experience and I'm so grateful to get to do it. And thank you for for tuning in and for uh, being a part of of what we're doing here. We really appreciate it. Well, God bless. God bless. Merry Christmas. All right. That uh, that's, you know. What can you say? What can you say to a parent who's lost their child? I can't understand what he's gone through. Um, and for those who know that feeling, it's, it's just, I find it to be so enraging that we have to have this going on in our country and we allow it, but we, we don't have to have it. But the Democrats want it. And so therefore the rest of us just have to bow down. I refuse. All right. Merry Christmas. I don't get tired of saying it or wearing my little headbands. Today's elf hat brought to you by Coles. <laughs> All right. So that's the show for today. God bless you from the heartland. Uh, enjoy your evening tonight. Unplug. Back with you tomorrow. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association. Urban Family Talk. Urban Family Talk.